0: I'm reading from a book called Shemishmal, He's one of my favorite, favorite Kabbalists. And we're talking about the portion of Shemot. Obviously we're starting the second book of the Bible this week. And the portion of Shemot, it, it talks in the beginning about the Jews in Egypt and all of the challenges they were going through and the slavery and Pharaoh. And it's here that we can actually see how they react, how they act in times of stress. And in the beginning of Genesis, when Abraham had the famous um, covenant, it's called the covenant between the pieces, Brit ben Abraham was told that his children would be, you know, they would be sojourners in a foreign land, they would be traveling, they would be enslaved, they would suffer, they would be slaves for 400 years. And it says, Know for a certainty that your descendants shall be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. So the first part of that prophecy happened right away, because as soon as Isaac was born, Abraham and his family and Isaac started traveling from place to place. Abraham's role was to talk to people about the fact that there was one God. So that happened right away. And then, of course, Jacob and his children and his family. When Yosef invited them to Egypt to escape all of the famine, they also traveled. But the second part of the prophecy, which is that they would be slaves in a foreign country, didn't actually happen until everyone who had once lived in Israel passed away. So it says that when when they arrived to Israel, the original number of people that were with Jacob was 70 so all of his family and everybody who was with them and it says that shamishmar explains that when the jews were living in egypt and they there it was there was abundance there they didn't think of themselves as being part of the egyptians because they came from israel and they spiritually weren't connected to egypt so they remembered what it was like and they treasured Israel so they could live in Egypt without having any connection to it because they remembered what it was like in Israel now they tasted consciously and physically they tasted the land of Israel and so they were aware of its benefits and they didn't feel like they were in exile what happened was as soon as everyone who had passed away from that generation didn't exist anymore excuse me, that's when they felt the slavery. That's when they felt the exile because they didn't remember. So it says, these are the names, Shmot, which actually means names, of Israel's sons who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family. So the original number of Jacob's direct family, including Yosef, who was in Egypt already, was 70. And while they were alive, while all those 70 were alive, everyone was safe. Nobody had to go through suffering. Nobody had anything wrong happen to them in Egypt. It was only after Yosef and all of his generation died, and then it says there was a pharaoh that no longer remembered Yosef, that's when all of the problems started. Now, there's a couple of questions here. The first question is, is it true? Was actually everyone from that generation gone? And Shem Shmuel reminds us that there was one person remaining from that generation, which was Yochavet, the mother of Moses. She was born as Jacob and his sons entered Egypt. So she didn't descend into the land of Egypt. She didn't come from Israel. She was actually born when they entered Egypt. So actually, all of the 70 people who left Israel and descended into Egypt were gone before when all of the suffering started because it had said that the suffering wasn't going to start until after they all died. So she actually didn't know what exile was because it was her natural habitat. She was born into Egypt. She didn't know anything. If she hadn't realized that there was a decree for slavery, she wouldn't even understand that there was slavery because that was normal for her. So what's the lesson here? It's possible to live in exile and to not know it. And there's there's two different kinds of exiles. There's the physical exile for us who know what Israel is like. We've been there. We've tasted the air. We've had the energy. We know what it's like, and we miss it. For those who've never been to Israel, I highly recommend to go, obviously. But then there's another kind of exile, and that's the exile that we need to be careful of. We can be an exile in Israel. What does that mean? That we forget what's important. And what's really important is our connection to the creator. If we forget that everything we do is so that we can get closer to the creator, we're in exile while we're not in exile. People who live in Israel is probably the hardest to keep out of the mind of exile because exile can also be that we're so used to our life and we're so used to the comfort. And it's not a bad thing to have comfort, but we need to remember that we are still in exile. So that was the first point that I wanted to talk about. So the sages say that the Jews are characterized by three major traits, and they were given to us from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the traits are being kind, being shy, and being merciful. Abraham gave us kindness, because if you remember, when he had his circumcision. The creator made it so that it would be a very hot day and there would be no travelers and he wouldn't be able to bring anyone into his house. But he was so mad about that and he was so upset that he couldn't find guests to bring into his house that he actually went out to look for people so that from him we got kindness. And from Isaac, who was modest, remember the binding of Isaac, he was modest, he was humble, we got the shyness and from Jacob, we got mercy. So in in Egypt, during the time of slavery, this is when all of those traits were put to the test. And it says that the Egyptians embittered the lives of the Jews with bricks and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields and crushing labor. So what does this mean? This verse is actually outlining the three stages in the slavery of the Jews, from the easiest to the hardest, because even the easiest was really, really hard for them. So what was the easiest? The easiest was the, the bricks and mortar, the mud and the cement. The hardest was the second stage of all kinds of work in the field, meaning that the Jews also had to dig for their own material in order to make the bricks and the mortar. And. In the end, they were humiliated by the crushing labor of having to do, you know, all the tasks that the Egyptian gave the Egyptians gave them, which was was humiliating, you know, it was humbling. So, the question is why? Why did they have to go through all of this? And Shemishuel says that after the Jews received these traits, these three holy traits of kindness, shyness, and mercy. It was they had to be able to be put to a test to see if they would keep it, if they would keep those, those traits. And so in opposition to kindness of Avam, the Egyptians practiced cruelty. They they actually make the Jews, you know, work with the mortar and bricks. And that was, it was instead of the kindness, they were, they were challenged with cruelty. And instead of modesty of Isaac, they were forced to work in the fields and the Egyptians would insult them and torment them and make them suffer. And Isaac's service of prayer, actually, if you think about it, Isaac was always in the field. It says that he was went out to pray in the field. So this was against the, the, the humbleness and modesty of Isaac. And then, of course, the unnecessary crushing and terrible labor that the Egyptians forced on them was instead of the mercy that Jacob gave us. So they could have reacted in a terrible way, but they were able to actually go through all those challenges and still keep those traits. So they were tested in a way it was a test and they proved that those character traits that they were given by the forefathers, they, were, they had them and they internalized them and they, they kept them. And this is actually what made them ready to receive the Torah on Mount Sinai. And the last thing I wanted to talk about, okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about is, and it could be a little tricky, so if you have questions on the way, you're welcome to ask. It's We have the signs. It talks about the signs from God. And it says that when God heard the cry of the Jews suffering in bondage, he summoned Moses to the burning bush, and he informed him that he would lead the Israelites. Everybody, I'm sure, read the portion knows the story. But Moses, who had been in hiding for probably 60 years when he since he killed an Egyptian, he wasn't sure that the Jewish people would want to follow him. And God gave him three signs in, in order to ha- help him convince the Jewish people that he should be the leader. So, the first sign that God showed Moses is that the staff could turn into a snake and then back into a staff again. Okay, so that's one. The second was that he made his hand turn into a leprous white, like he had leprosy, and then it would go back to normal. And then in the end, it, and it says in the portion, and if they also do not believe these two signs, then you shall take some water from the Nile and spill it on the ground the water will turn into blood. And it never turned back into water, it just turned into blood. So what made each sign more persuasive than the first one? Because it seems like the staff turning into a snake and back, which is beyond the laws of nature, it could have been an amazing sign. And the hand, his hand turning into leprosy and going back also. But why would they listen to the second sign if they didn't listen to the first sign, like why do they need three signs? And then why not just do blood that doesn't turn back into water? What what is this all about? So it says in the Talmud that if it weren't for the help of God, we'd never be able to stand up to our evil inclination as it has power equal to an angel. And what Shem is saying here is that we do have the power to overcome our evil inclination And we receive that power from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's because of that, that we can be strong. So from Jacob, we learn that the first defense is Torah study. Jacob, who studied the laws of of the Torah and the Torah, he was in a, a yeshiva, if you want to call it. And he was taught everything. And he was taught and he gave down to us that when we learn Torah, anything, any obstacles can be overcome. Anything. If we can't concentrate on study, though, then in order to get rid of our evil inclination, we have to follow Avram. And what did Avram do? He was, his task was to spread monotheism. He was teaching people about one God. And that's actually what we say in the Shema, that there's one God. So first thing, Jacob, who is a symbol for us to study Torah. Second thing, Avram, is if you can't actually study Torah, if you can't focus, if you can't take, and it's really important to take even 15 minutes a day. It doesn't matter how long it is, as long as it's the same time every day. If you want to start with five minutes, study Torah for five minutes a day at the same time. If you want to add after that, you can, but it's very important to make time to study. So again, it says here, if you can't concentrate on on Torah studies, then at least understand and help people understand that there's one God. But if even then you can't overcome the evil inclination, we have to follow the advice of Isaac, who we know represents judgment, that we are mortal and one day we're going to die. But there's a danger in that because it's very depressing. Obviously, how many of us want to think all day about our death? We don't. So the danger is that while we think that we might die one day, we can also draw judgment into the world by thinking about our end and our judgment. So we don't really want to do that. We want to be able to start from the beginning and study Torah. Now, what do all of these things have to do with the signs? So the Midrash tells us that the three signs that God gave Moses also corresponded to the three forefathers. So Shemishuel says the Jews could not have left Egypt, but if they didn't have the, the strength of their forefathers, then they wouldn't be able to do it. And the, the the strength of the forefathers is what gave them that strength to get out of bondage. So these three signs actually follow the same order as the advice for dealing with the evil inclination. And I'll explain. The first sign relates to Jacob. The snake represents witchcraft and all of the powers of the occult that happened in Egypt. And it was Jacob with his sincerity, with his integrity, with his mercy, that in in the house of Levan, that he was able to actually overcome all of witchcraft. Remember, he was in the house of Levan and Levan was one of the highest... Uh, witches that existed. The second sign is Avraham, who was pure. He was in the pursuit of God. He was in pursuit of monotheism. And the hand, his hand that that became leprous and then went back to purity is a symbol of Avraham who represented the power of purity to be able to confront the spiritual impurity of Egypt. But if these two signs weren't enough, For the jewish people then god told moses that the third sign would definitely convince everybody and upon seeing the sign of blood which is judgment which is itzchak, then they would for sure believe in moses and unlike the staff and the hand that went back to its original form the blood never returned to being water and it was swallowed into the earth and that was what would happen to the Egyptians under the influence of judgment, which is basically what happened with the killing of the firstborn of the Egyptians. So the the three signs, why, why is this all necessary? Avam, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and why do we need all of this? And what does it mean for us? So, you know, we really need to understand that everything we do Everything that we say to each other, everything that we go about doing in our day, all the relationships we have, to be conscientious that we're part of the creator and the person that's standing in front of us is also part of the creator. So if we believe that, then we can be more conscious, conscious of how we treat each other. And also, of course, the studying of the Torah. It's so important to take five minutes a day. Today, Wednesdays, if you are on every day with me on every week with me on Wednesdays, you have 20 minutes of studying. So you know, and if you can try and do every day at 12 for 20 minutes, that's amazing. We're going to try and do this for 20 minutes every week so that you get a little bit about the portion. And if you have questions, or if you want me to cover certain subjects, I will be more than happy to. Thank you guys.